James chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 21 and read down through the end of this chapter. Just have a, a final thought from this chapter, I believe, this morning. Pure religion. And uh, so James chapter 1, and we'll look at verse uh, 21 down through the end there. It says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word, and Lord, it's a good word. Lord, it makes a difference in our lives if we would apply it, and Lord, I pray that as we prepare to look at these things this morning, that you would fill with the Spirit and do a work in our hearts, and that you would change us, Lord, to be better Christians, Lord, to be more like Christ, really, and Father, pray that you bless each Sunday school teacher this morning. Lord, I pray that the word of God would be taught in a way that glorifies you, And Lord, that you would be uplifted in all of it, and that our church would be drawn closer. And now, Father, we pray for your blessing on the remainder of this Sunday school hour. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So pure religion. What kind of religion do we have? Um, I I came across this uh, this week. It says, do we have a spare tire religion? Where it's used in emergencies, really only? Uh, I know I've experienced that kind of response in my life at times. Things aren't going so well, and, and uh, you tend to try to get a hold of God because it's not going the way you wanted it. There's some type of an emergency, whether it's a health issue or uh, maybe a financial uh, burden or something. Uh, then the, the, the other example is, do we have a wheelbarrow religion? Easily upset and must be pushed around. Um, yeah, so some folks, it's easy to upset the apple cart, right? And a lot of works and labor to, uh, to make the reality of their religion. Or uh, here's one that I think is probably more applicable to us. Do we have the bus religion? It's only ridden when it's going our way. Uh, when things are happening how we like it, we're on board. Uh, but, and I, and I, I, this isn't part of my notes, but I can't help but think of what the Lord revealed to me through missions conference and just the different perspective uh, that Brother Suffet shared. And, and I think sometimes uh, we have this idea of what our church is supposed to look like. And, and really, to be honest, in, in a lot of independent Baptist circles, if you go from church to church, you could do the, You don't need the order of service for the church over here or the church over there. It's exactly the same. And those, those independent congregations are no different, right? Um, it's pretty, uh, almost kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Because if you don't fit this mold, but we say we're independent. Anyway, don't, I won't try to get off track here. Uh, so regardless of the type of religion you have, and, I, and um, hopefully I'll, I'll get to, to 
touching on that a little bit more. Uh, the bottom line is, if it's not pleasing to God, uh, then it's in vain. Right. Um, and so <clears throat> we find here in verse 27 that it, the definition here constitutes, it says it's pure uh, religion. And uh, to be sure that our own religion is acceptable before God, I just want to share a few attributes or, or, or a few principles maybe out of, out of these passages here. Uh, and we'll just talk about them a little bit. Is that okay? A practicing religion. Uh, our faith ought to be a practicing religion. It involves doing something on our part. Um, and I know sometimes we get this idea that it's all about what God can do for us. And I need God to bless and to meet my needs and to provide for me. And, and we are often happy and content when that is the case, when we feel like God is just there with us and meeting our needs. But the reality is there's more to it. And God wants action on our part. Um, and I don't think, I'll say this, in my experience in the churches I've grown up in and been around in for the last 25 years, independent Baptist churches, they're not very good at reaching the community. And I say that even being a part of door knocking campaigns and all those things because I think a lot of times we substitute the fact that we go and knock doors and in some cases try to cram the gospel down somebody's throat um, to say, hey, we're reaching the community. Um, but the reality is Christ's earthly ministry was far more than just preaching and giving people the word of God. Uh, he was meeting their physical and monetary needs. Uh, and now, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm saying what we're doing by door knocking or any of that thing is wrong. Don't misunderstand me. I think those things are important. We ought to be doing those things to reach people. But um, <clears throat> sometimes we miss some of the greater things that we could do for people around us that would probably influence them to actually attend church to see what this is all about because those people care. Those people met my needs. And, uh, but it will cost us. Uh, financially, uh, our time, uh, our energy. Um, it could be a mental burden when you're thinking about helping people. And, and at work, there's a particular lady. <clears throat> her husband is on a remote tour. So he, I worked with him. He, he's, a, he's a great guy. Um, and, but she, her, their daughter was in a, a pretty bad car accident. She broke some vertebrae. She has a traumatic brain injury. So there's a lot of uh, stuff she's doing at home, and she would she didn't want any help. And uh, I said, we're going to help you. So we got some meals together and that kind of stuff. But uh, <clears throat> it has been mentally taxing to me to do that and to try to manage it and make sure everybody that said they were going to sign up is going to actually sign up and come through and do what they said they do because people say they're going to do stuff. And as we see here in verse 26, you can say a lot of stuff. But sometimes if you're not willing to go through with the actions of it, it doesn't really mean a lot. Um, so it can be a burden to reach people. Um, it, well, it is a burden to reach people, I will say, in my experience. And so, but our, our, our religion, if you want to, I'll use that term today, because uh, it's in the text here, it ought to be a practicing religion. Uh, 
um, when we look at this in, in that verse there, I think it's clearly implied by the phrase to visit. Uh, and really the context prior to this whole, these we're going to focus on the last verse really today, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So verse 27 is our focus today. But if you look back through verses 23 through 25, you can see it, it, it's, there's a practice going on here. An expectation, really a command to be doing. Um, and, and if we're not doing, if we're not practicing, if you will, then um, you're deceived uh, in of yourself, really. But, um, and so the idea here is, is to be doers and not just hearers only. Uh, we ought not come into the church house and listen and be blessed by God's word and then do nothing with it the other days of the week. Uh, the people around us ought to know that we care for them. Yes, they ought to know we care for their soul and, and, and we share Christ with them and that we are there uh, to, to share the gospel with them. Uh, the people you work with ought to have heard the gospel at some point. Uh, even if you haven't had the opportunity to stand up and preach before them. Uh, but in conversation, you can interject things at, at times and, and kind of get the conversation uh, moving on a spiritual level. But, um, but also in other things that maybe we don't usually, we're not very good at. Uh, just physically taking the time to help somebody. Uh, Jesus echoes this teaching. So I'm not just making this up. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in me. And then Luke 6, 46 says this, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So we can say a lot. Uh, and we can make a lot of professions about how good of a Christian we are and that we're a believer and that we love our Lord. But if we're not doing the things that He's commanded us to do, we're off track. And, and we're deceived, the Bible would tell us. We're deceiving ourselves. And the reality is we're usually only deceiving ourselves. We're not deceiving everyone around us. Um, we're certainly not deceiving God. Because God knows. Um, and we're very unlikely to be fooling anyone in our house. Um, if you have children, they're watching you. But your spouse is watching you. Um, and so you can... Uh, deceive really only yourself in the end. Uh, <clears throat> it's important that we practice what we preach, as we say. Uh, I think I, I've said this even recently, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Um, you can talk and talk and talk and say this and that, but the reality is when it's time for the rubber to meet the road, that's when people will know. And it will be evidenced. Your faith in... And I don't want to spend too much time here because obviously um, you guys are probably familiar with the book of James we, as it talks about in, in the, the chapters to come, a working faith or faith that works. But um, <clears throat> the Lord expects us to be doing. Um, it's a practicing religion, if you will. It's a practical religion. Uh, it's practical. God did not intend for... Uh, our religion to consist solely of going to church. Um, the reality is that is a small fraction of the Christian life. 
when you look at the amount of time spent assembling together with the others, with the believers as a church, when we gather together, that is a small portion of our lives. Uh, We spend less time here than at work, at school. Uh, For most of us, probably less time here than really anywhere else that we go throughout a week. Maybe the grocery store, we spend a little less time there, but... Um, Well, I definitely do. Cindy might be. But um, don't misunderstand me. Extending our heart to God in in worship and corporate worship is is, it's commanded and and it's important. Right. So I'm not saying that it's not important that we uh, that we don't gather here and and encourage and exhort one another. Um, But so is extending our hand to man in helping others as we're out and about our week when we're not here. Um, The New Testament uh, emphasizes this uh, much. Paul writes this in Galatians 6.10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So especially to the folks that are here today, we ought to be willing to do good as we have opportunity. Uh, But it also says to all men, and so as we're out and about, uh, we ought to be doing good uh, by those that we're, we come in contact with. Hebrews 13, 16 says this, But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. It is pleasing to God when we do good to others. Uh, and we impart those things that, that God has blessed us with uh, to others. Uh, John in, in 1 John in 3, 17 and 18 says this, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So it's very practical what we ought to be doing. We ought to be doing good to those. And like I said, I, I think the Baptists have been good about spreading the gospel. Uh, but I, I think there is room for improvement in some of the other areas. Um, there are very few churches, and I'm not condemning anything that we're doing here, so don't misunderstand, because just because if we don't do some of these things, I'm not being critical of our church. But um, we, I've been part of, I don't think I've ever been a part of a church that has a food pantry. Um, a food pantry? Now, I know they exist. Well, I guess I can't say that. I was in Mississippi for a while, and the church there in Gulfport, they did have a food pantry. I never joined the church, though, because I was TDY there, so I was never officially a member. But um, there's a lot of churches that are doing a lot of things to get after the needs of the community that they're in. Um, my experience is Baptists are not the best at it. Um, and so today, I, I'm not... Um, saying that we need to start a food pantry or, or anything else. But what I am saying this is, if God gives us an opportunity and we have the ability, we ought to be helping. Um, and oftentimes that starts out with a burden on an individual, right? Um, uh, it's not the church's responsibility to have a burden and start everything. Uh, the command to do these things is to the individual Christian. So just because the church doesn't have a program to do such a thing doesn't mean we ought not be doing it. Um, Oftentimes, we excuse ourselves from doing it because the church has a program. 
So uh, I, I don't want to be misunderstood today. I, I really want to put the responsibility on you and I to be doing these things because that's where the responsibility lies. Um, there is, the, well, let me not get ahead of my notes. There's examples in scriptures of corporately meeting the needs of people, uh, but there's a lot of individual examples as well. Uh, well, there it is. But corporate giving was never intended to replace our individual and personal responsibility. Um, it does exist. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, I have given order to the churches of Galatia. Even so do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay uh, him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. And so he had, he had charged the churches to do some certain things, to have some things in order. Uh, kind of corporately to meet some needs. And um, so, but that was never intended to absolve any individual of their responsibility to do good as God led them and they had opportunity. Uh, I believe that with my whole heart, but I, I, again, I don't see it a lot in our stripe of church. We always substitute some type of program to soothe our conscience to feel better about what we're doing in the community. Um, and, and and, and again, I, I, that's just my experience. I'm not trying to uh, say that you guys are all as bad as Christians as I am. But listen, the reality is, I can do better. Uh, how many times have you seen somebody that had a need on the side of the street? Listen, you, you drive by the drunk, you drive by the whatever type of person on the road, and you think, boy, if they just get a job. Um, yeah, there's probably some truth to that. But you know what? If they had somebody to offer the love of Christ in a helping hand at times. And I, listen, I'm not saying every single person you're going to be able to make a difference in. But that's where it comes in is you being filled with the Spirit and led of God and His opportunities come. But I'm afraid we're so critical of those people sometimes that it prevents us from even approaching them. Um, I'm not trying to boast of myself. I don't know, I still to this day don't know why this happened, and it was a very small thing. Cindy and I were going to Tally's Silver Spoon. Everybody eating there? They have a pretty good breakfast downtown. Um, lunch and dinner, meh, it's kind of expensive for what it is, but breakfast is delicious. Eggs Benedict, it's good. So we're down there, we, on a, I think it was a Saturday morning, and we are going to get some breakfast, and there's a line, right? It's a pretty popular place, so you got to wait in line. So we went across the street to get a coffee. At, there's a Starbucks across the street. So um, in Tally's, they say no food or drink, outside food or drink. And so, but they let you bring your Starbucks because they know people go over there to wait. Anyway, um, so I, we go over there, and there was this guy who was obviously homeless, couldn't get around very well. Um, and he was just kind of milling around. And I was like, oh, boy, what's going on here? I was kind of critical at first. Well, we make our order, we wait for our order, and as we're at the end of the line, we're waiting for our order, he is now in line, going to get a coffee. And the Lord said, buy that coffee for him. And I had no idea what he was buying. For all I knew, he was getting a cinnamon roll, and you know, it was going to be a $20 uh, thing. But um, I, I, I didn't know. I, he was, went to pay, he was kind of digging through his, his change and stuff, and I said, hey, I'll cover this for you, sir. And, and I paid for it. Just very small. I'm not trying to gloat on myself, but I don't know why the Lord asked me to do that. But the Holy Spirit prompted me to do so. Um, and we had a very cordial conversation. I, I neglected to have tracks on me that day. And, and, uh, but 
Listen, folks, all I'm trying to say is we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God in our life. And we need to be willing to meet needs other than just the, God bless, you need Christ. Um, Because a lot of times the Lord used that circumstance of a physical need to meet the individual's spiritual need. And so this morning, all I'm doing is challenging you to think about people a little bit differently than maybe you have in the past. Because when we, in the context of this passage about being doers of the word, and, and really in verse 26 it says, If any man among you uh, seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. Uh, the idea here is, is really, when it says if any man, it's, it's more of a personal thing. That somebody's deceiving themselves, you know, and, and it's evidenced in, in how he speaks. Or he or she speaks, it, you know, it's like, well, this guy is, is really uh, maybe not what he says he is, but he's deceived himself. Um, and I think a lot of times we deceive ourselves into thinking we're better than we are. Um, a challenge to my heart was the thought of, do I love the lost like Christ loves the lost? He gave himself. Oftentimes those people that I'm critical of or judgmental of because of their state. Christ died for that individual. He loves that individual. And then again, do I love them like I love myself? Because that's how we're to love our neighbors. Uh, we're to love our neighbor like ourselves, And so... Uh, I wouldn't want to be hungry, homeless. That's not how, I, I, I work hard to not be in a situation like that. And, and so for those other people, do we really see their need? And, and yes, the spiritual need, but also the physical. <clears throat> I think to practice pure religion, we need to take it personal. Uh, it says to visit these people that are, uh, it says widows in the fatherless. And I couldn't help but think of Gary Heiberg. Uh, you guys probably have no idea who it is, uh, but he was a young man in the church that I grew up in. Um, and he's passed away. He's, he's, with, he's gone to be with the Lord recently. He died of Pick's disease, very young. Um, and he left behind several kids. I think they have six kids, five kids. Um, I was friends with his boys, but my brother-in-law, Cindy's brother, was very good friends with the Heiberg family, Hans and Jens and, and some of the other boys in that family. But Gary was such a gentle man. He was a tall, he was a bigger guy, but he was so gentle. But one of the things I'll never forget about Gary was how he loved my brother-in-law. So my brother-in-law... <clears throat> And Cindy, they really grew up without a dad. And Gary went out of his way to love Casey Ketchum. And to bring him into his home. And, and I mean, that man was teaching him scripture, family devotions with him. And he took this boy that was fatherless, really, for the most part, and just loved on him. Um, and I think, boy, that man had some religion. He had something that had changed him and how he responded and treated people that were less fortunate, if you will. 
has Christ changed you? Has he made a difference in your life? Do you love people greater than what you might uh, without... Again, in the context of this, these are people that get into the Word of God. They continue therein. They're being doers. They're doing the work of the ministry. And God is using them to do great things. It says they'll be blessed in their deed. Pure religion. It's personal. Luke chapter 10, if you want to turn there this morning. I know this isn't the story of a widow or of a uh, a fatherless individual specifically. It doesn't say that, but I would like to just remind you of the the Good Samaritan, uh, the parable here. And and, uh, we cannot pay someone else to do our work for us. Um, we are commanded to give to the church. Tithing and those things. And, and oftentimes we want to just give our money and excuse ourselves from any responsibility to help meet the needs of others. Um, but the reality is our giving to the church is, is commanded and it's for the Lord to take care of the things of the house of God and, and those that labor in the word, right? And and, uh, but it doesn't absolve us from our responsibility to do our own work. Um, but I'm afraid oftentimes, well, well we, I give my tithe, I, I even give to missions, I give to special offerings at times, you know, I'm good to go. And we're not willing to be used of God otherwise because we're content to do what we do through the church. So with that thought in mind, let's read this. We'll read verses 25 uh, through 37. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. I'm afraid verse 29 is often where we're at. Look at what it says. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor. Oftentimes we want to excuse ourselves. Come up with some caveat, some reason why we don't have to participate in the commands of God. It's clear to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty simple. But we're always looking for the excuse like this lawyer was. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound his, up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and sent him on his, 
and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them uh, to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So we, we saw the two, and, and I won't labor here too much um, on, on this parable. That's not the, the text of our, our Sunday school lesson, but I do want to highlight a few things here. But you see the two people that typically you think would be the ones to respond and to meet someone's need. The priest and the Levite, the religious leaders of the day, those people that ought to have compassion, but what do they do? Well, they skip to the other side of the road because they didn't want to be around them. Uh, And then the unsuspecting one, the Samaritan, that you would not expect them to have compassion and to show mercy is the one that takes of his time, his energy, his own finances to meet the need of this thief, or of the of the man beaten by the thieves. Do you love your neighbor like that? Do you go out of your way and invest your own time into meeting the needs of others? Your own energy, uh, your own assets, right? Don't forget that everything that we own truly belongs to God. Uh, the Samaritan took this man and put him on his own beast, uh, which caused him more physical rigor, if you will, because now he's not able to ride his own beast because he's carrying this man. I don't know, maybe they rode tandem. The Bible doesn't say. Um, Camels are pretty big if it was a camel, perhaps. Um, But listen, the bottom line is he also spent his money. He went, the Bible says he went into the inn, he took care of this individual, and then he pulled out some cash and said, hey, listen, here's a little money. Please help this guy because I got business to tend to and I'll be coming back through and I'll take care of whatever's left. Are we willing to commit ourselves to care for those around us like this Samaritan? I think in verse 26, if any man among you seem to be, or if any man uh, among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, uh, I think a lot of us let our tongue run loose and say, oh yeah, I'll do that. I know we're talking about bridling your tongue is a little different context, but the reality is a lot of times we say the right thing. Yeah, I would do that. I would care for somebody. I would look out for somebody. I'm here for you. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I've got involved in some type of ministry uh, at church whatever. And things happen. There's a lot of excitement, right? Everybody wants to get involved in this endeavor. You name the ministry. You can almost across the board make this statement for all ministries. And there's a lot of people that raise their hand and say they're interested in getting involved. But the number of people that actually show up and help when it's time to start is less than originally said that. Then, as time goes on, 
maybe the weeks, maybe a week, two weeks, months, definitely by the years, the original people that said that they're going to be there is less when it got started, and then to carry on that ministry, it's even far less. Because we're good about saying the right things. But I'm afraid we're not serious about truly helping and getting involved in ministry. Being a Christian will cost you. You cannot, I'm convinced of this, the, as I meditated on this lesson in things, being a Christian, if you want to be a good Christian, if you want to have pure religion, if you will, listen, you will have to pay. It will cost you. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy, mental capacity, and finances. If you aren't expending yourself in any one of those areas, you cannot say that you're a good Christian. That's the determination that I meditated on. Because when you look at the examples in our Bible, example after example, they're investing their time, their energy, their finances, their assets. Barnabas gave everything he had in that land. Because the Lord led him to do that. And he was obedient. You saw the people that weren't obedient, right? They died. Um, prematurely, I should say. Um, I don't know if I have time to get into the undefiled religion uh, totally, but um, it, it kind of sounds redundant maybe in our day, but it, it needs to be emphasized. Our society has become increasingly immoral and materialistic. Um, and I know that that's been true throughout human uh, uh, the fallen nature of man, but... Um, I think it really is impacting the church at a greater level than ever before. Um, the mindset. Our religion really is, is, is for nothing unless it's pure, without blemish, and undefiled or untainted. Um, if we are sinners, how can we ever be pure? How can we be undefiled or unspotted? Uh, it's possible through the blood of Christ. And... Uh, which can cleanse us and make us pure if we walk in the light with God. First John 1.7 says this, But if you walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And so it involves keeping the commandments. And it falls in line, I think, with the context of this passage about being doers of the word. First John says this, And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep his commandments. If we're going to say that we have a pure religion uh, and that we're undefiled and we're unspotted from the world, we must keep the commandments of God. There's no other way. Um, and of course, we don't do that in our own power. Uh, the Lord will help, will help us with that. And, and we understand this morning as Christians, we experience that initial cleansing uh, by the blood when we uh, receive Christ as our Savior. Uh, the Lord cleanses us and we can experience the continuous cleansing or the, uh, a continual cleansing of the blood when we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9. Right? And so uh, we can be unspotted from the world. Um, <clears throat> it is possible only by the help of God. Our religion is different uh, than any other one. He provides the blood of Christ to cleanse us from sin, but He also makes us a way to escape temptation. 
And I know a few weeks ago we talked about temptation, and I mentioned uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation which hath taken you, but such is common to man, but God who, who is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will also, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so it is possible to live unspotted. Um, and if we would walk with our Lord and, and keep His commandments, uh, with Christ's blood and God's help, it's possible to be pure, undefiled, and unspotted in this world. That's what makes our religion unique. Um, other religions may be practicing, practical, and even personal, but only true religion of Jesus Christ can be pure in the sight of God. And just something as simple as I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's only through Christ and His blood that we can be pure in His indwelling Spirit. And so this morning as we close, what kind of religion do you have? Is it a practicing religion? Does it go beyond the walls of this facility? Does it go beyond the superficial hearing of God's Word? Does it consist of more than just attending church and reading your Bible? Does it reach out and manifest itself in compassion to those in need? Do you show compassion to those in need? I know we would all say, yes, absolutely. I love the lost. I want to see them saved. But do you practically do anything to help them? Does it include putting away sin? with the help of God, that you might be unspotted by the world? What a challenge to be unspotted. If not, then whatever religion we have is useless and we are simply deceiving ourselves. Pure religion and undefiled before God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that we would be a people of action. Lord, I pray that we would not just be hearers, Lord, and even those that would speak of being religious, but Lord, those that would demonstrate our faith through our works. I pray that you would lead us. Lord, I pray that you would burden our hearts to meet the needs of those around us. Lord, we know that we can't meet everyone's need. Lord, we may not even witness to every person we're in contact with, but Lord, I pray that those people that you are working on, that we would be faithful that when the Holy Spirit leads us, that we would take opportunity to be a blessing, to meet needs, and Lord, to share the gospel with those around us. And I pray that our church would be different. Lord, that we would love people and have a compassion for them. Lord, help us to love our neighbor. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.